Today's musical instrument of the day is the piano, a member of the keyboard family. It sounds like this. And welcome to the inaugural episode of Music, the Universal Language. In this podcast, our goal is to help you become more familiar with the world of music, no matter how far you are in your musical journey. My name is Allie. And my name's Charles. We are the hosts of this podcast. My relationship with music started about a decade ago when I joined band as a middle schooler, and now I'm a music educator with a degree in music education. My relationship with music started in 2015. I was 13 years old and I just started posting mashups to SoundCloud. I was in band in middle school as a percussionist, but I never touched a drum again outside of school. Now I'm 18 and I'm an indie bedroom musician. To many people, music is an outlet that we use to deal with our emotions. Whether that be by listening to it, playing by ourselves, or with others, or creating... It allows for people to express themselves in a way that requires no words, a universal language of expression that everyone can listen to and appreciate. And as for the music that does have words, one can still appreciate the mood created by the composer, and it can be relatable on a lyrical level. The connection to music is simple, being something that is listened to for enjoyment. When I listen to music, though, There are so many more layers to the beauty of music below the surface that helps to make it incredibly interesting to me. The theory in music, otherwise known as music theory, is the technical decisions that some composers make that are heavily based in history, especially Europe. It is not necessary to be well-versed in music theory to be a musician. Most are not but it allows me to appreciate music in a whole new light. When I listen to music, I tend to notice things like chord progression, key changes, tempo changes, and I tend to pay more attention to the musical content than lyrical content, although I can find myself appreciating many different aspects of music. I can't pinpoint any specific concept about music that I enjoy. All I can really say, being the layman in this situation, is that I like listening to all kinds of music, and that I can find inspiration within all kinds of music. You say you draw inspiration from all kinds of music, but what is your favorite genre? I don't think I have a favorite genre of music, but I'm most familiar with rock. My favorite bands are the Beatles, Strawberry Fields Forever, Weezer, and Frank Zappa. Hey there, people, I'm Bobby Brown. But I also love hip-hop, and I think Jay Dilla was the best producer that ever lived. <laughs> Aside from that, I also like pop sometimes. I also like indie music. And I also like listening to folk, reggae, obscure psychedelic rock from the 1960s, avant-garde sound collages, music from other parts of the world, I am particularly invested in Japanese music right now, library music, specifically from the KPM label, funk and soul, R&B, and I like a lot of jazz and classical music. What are your favorite genres of music, Allie? That I enjoy playing or listening to? Both. 
for a long time, I pretty much, this is like my angsty high school phase. Right. <laughs> I pretty much strictly listened to rock music, particularly Def Leppard, ACDC, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. However, in recent years, I've kind of started leaning more towards film and TV scores, rap, and folk music. I kind of bounce around a lot, just depending on what I kind of want to listen to. I do still listen, though, to my fair share of music in the pop, classical, and jazz genres, too. Um, if we're playing music, I really like playing fast contemporary pieces. There are a lot of band standards that are fun to play too, but everyone that's like college level musician has played a lot of the standards more than once. So I like playing the more modern stuff because you haven't played it three times already. Well, that actually coincides with a lot of stuff I like. <laughs> this this will sound like an overgeneralization, but I think the preconception is that to be a music major, you have to be very stuffy, and you have to listen to strictly classical and sometimes jazz, which is obviously not the case. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had someone assume something stupid like that to you? I mean, people assume a lot of things about every major. I assume things about other majors. It, it just happens. But yeah, that is one that comes up a lot. People also assume majoring in music is easy, which uh, is so incredibly far from the truth. Yeah, I, I could see that. And <laughs> I, I think that one thing that could pose to be difficult, for me at least, is keeping track of more than one thing at once in an ensemble setting. Let's say you're a percussionist in a middle school band and you're sight reading for the UIL contest. Not only do you have to pay attention to the sheet music that you've never seen before, but you've also got to pay attention to the other players around you, as well as the conductor waving their hands around and actually trying to keep time. That, I think, was the most difficult thing. Now that I'm solo, the most difficult thing is trying to put my thoughts on paper. But what's the most difficult thing when performing that you faced? I think the hardest thing for me to get over, because you really like that stuff that you mentioned really over time has honestly become things I really don't think about anymore. Um, you just It just kind of happens. Um, but I had a lot of issues um, figuring out how to become more comfortable performing solo pieces in front of other people. Because, like, you can perform in an ensemble and you're just kind of there. No one's going to be like, oh, Allie, you messed up. But, like, when you're a solo, it's all on you. Um, and I used to get really, really nervous when I would go perform my juries or at recitals. Juries are, like, your finals for music majors. You go perform in front of your professors and they, like, score you. And it's really scary. <laughs> <laughs> But I used to get super ner nervous before I would go perform at juries or recitals, but you kind of learn how to manage your nerves and kind of push them out of the way to really focus on what you're about to do. To really put it shortly, you get really, really comfortable with being really nervous and terrified. Um, Everyone that's listening to you wants you to do well, though, so you have to keep thinking about that when you're up there. No one, like, comes into a recital thinking, oh, I hope she does 
awful. You want them to do super good, and you want to be able to, like, stand up and give them a standing ovation, which is always super fun. And as a performer, you just kind of have to keep that in mind, that no one out there wants you to suck. Well, that's a nice thought to have. So, what does it mean to make music? Like, I have my own definition of what I think it is, but, like, what do you think music is? Um, I don't think I can deliver an exact definition that can appease everything music has to offer, but here's what I think music is. Music is a piece of sound that has the potential to bring some emotional reaction to a listener. Anything is music by this definition, and that's just because I happen to think a melodic, harmonic, and rhythmic connection of notes is a strict definition, and this definition also doesn't take into account other musical qualities such as timbre, dynamics, volume, and the genres of avant-garde, noise, and rap are completely disregarded by that definition. So my definition is inclusive, but it may not be as accurate as it should be. But what's music to you? Well, music is whatever you want it to be. It can be an orchestral composition or something you write for the band you're in with your friends. I mean, music is cultural, such as with Mongolian or Inuit throat singing, Native American drum circles, traditional religious music. It can be an emotional response to an event, whether... So that something that's going to happen, something that did happen, a really important event, like an engagement, something like that, or a breakup, a lot, a lot of breakups. <laughs> um, it could be a gift to your friend or a loved one, something that you write for yourself that no one ever hears, like just you, write for yourself and that's it. But it's really just another way to express how you're feeling or what you're thinking. So what makes music so captivating? Now, I don't know anyone who hates music in its entirety. And, and why do you think that is? Is it, is it something psychological, that we as humans need something to relate to, even when we have nothing else? Or is it just another cool thing to have, but everyone happens to have it? Music is definitely psychological, and it's been proven in a lot of studies. It affects the chemicals in our brain, and it will very frequently affect a person's mood as well. This is why certain music calms people down, while others can make you angry, happy, or sad, and also why people can have different reactions emotionally to the same songs, which is why one song that might make me super happy and peppy could be like, ugh, you know, like, this is just too much. I've really enjoyed getting to see your thinking behind the big concept that is music, and so might our listener. If you as the listener like what you hear, consider actually being a musician. Musicianship entails varying degrees of interest, with some just being in it for fun, while others are actively seeking to get signed with a record label. But to be a musician, all you have to do is be able to vocalize or play an instrument. Yeah, I agree. You can be as serious or as casual with your music skills as you want in whatever direction you choose to take it. That guy that only plays Wonderwall at parties? Musician. The pianist that just played their first recital at Carnegie Hall? Musician. The guy who just learned how to play the fiddle because of the part in The Devil Went Down to Georgia? Musician. Your neighbor that's in the choir at church? Also a musician. 
Musicianship is a journey. Everyone is at a different point in their musical journey, and not everyone must take the same path. Many musicians' path will cross, and it's always so fun and rejuvenating to be able to play music with someone. Here's the thing, though. Unless you're planning on just singing, which is an awesome choice to make, I have so many friends that are vocalists and have a great time, and I'm always super jealous of their voice because I'm really not that good of a singer. Um, you need to pick an instrument. Now, this can be your choice entirely, but you have to think about a few things because situation is very important. Um, are you wanting to just use this as a solo instrument or just playing by yourself? Like, do you just want to learn violin because it's fun or like that kind of thing? Are you wanting to join a band with your friends, just kind of rehearse in your garage? Are you wanting to join a more organized organization such as a jazz band or a community band or a church band? This is entirely up to you, but certain instruments do find themselves to be more suitable for certain environments. Um, there's solo, which is once again just like playing by yourself. There's a lot of solo rep. Um, for every instrument, accompanied or unaccompanied, which is when someone else plays with you. Um, these are all super, super fun to play, regardless of your instrument. I have a lot of fun playing solo rep just because it's fun to learn. You get to try new techniques. You better yourself as a player. Um, and if you're wanting to just learn the instrument for yourself, play by yourself, then your instrument choice is whatever you want it to be. Nothing's stopping you. But if you're wanting to join a group of other players, you need to think of a few things. If you're just going to play in a band with your friends in the garage or just play like a little local thing, you're probably going to be more inclined to choose something like guitar, bass, piano, or drums. Maybe you'd want to be a singer. Totally up to you, and there are a lot of people that just play one of these instruments. However, if you're interested in joining a community band, or your church has an orchestra, maybe you're wanting to join a jazz band or mariachi group, this might change the instrument you pick. For example, community bands, which are just regular bands you would find in a middle school or high school or even a college, don't usually have instruments like the guitar and the bass guitar. They do have quote-unquote drums, but you're also usually playing other instruments as well, such as mallet instruments like the marimba and the xylophone and the vibraphone. You're playing the timpani, which are those big kettle drums, and other various accessory percussion instruments such as cymbals and shakers and wind chimes. So it's not just drum set. But there are a lot of pieces that do have drum set parts. Um, any type of string instrument, such as the violin, the cello, viola, the bass, are not in wind band ensembles. Sometimes community bands or like college ensembles will have a double bass part, but don't count on it. Um, They're often found in orchestras, though. And you can find violins in a lot of folk music, which I think is super fun, and I really think it'd be cool to learn how to play fiddle music. Um, you'll also see a lot of instruments like guitar, banjo, mandolins in folk groups, and once again, they're super fun, super relaxed, and you're just chilling and improvising. 
And with your skills in playing one instrument, you might also want to consider playing more than one instrument. Musicians who play more than one instrument are sometimes called multi-instrumentalists, or multi-instrumentalists, depending on which pronunciation you prefer. We recommend sticking with one instrument first, and then once you've mastered that you can try learning another instrument, unless they're two completely different instruments. In my case, I learned piano and guitar at the same time when I was around 9 and 10, and I didn't have a hard time at all, just because I taught myself. I'm gonna be honest, I really didn't pick up another instrument until college, and then as like a music ed major, I had to... Learn all the instruments super fast, pretty much within the span of like a year and a half, and it got a little confusing. Yeah, but once you've decided which instrument or instruments you want to play, it is important to learn to read music notation or sheet music. Maybe it's not completely necessary in a rock or pop or hip-hop setting, but in an ensemble setting it is pretty much essential to be able to read sheet music. Sight reading is when you're given a piece of sheet music for the very first time and you've never rehearsed it and you're expected to play it as you read it for the first time. Though most of the time the conductor will have a musician practice and rehearse their piece for weeks before the concert happens. It isn't impossible to learn a song entirely by ear, although it is argued that sheet music makes it easier for the composer to express his ideas directly to a musician without making it confusing. Yeah, a lot of people do learn music by ear, um, but... It's really true to learn how to read sheet music if you're trying to learn an instrument such as piano or any type of wind instrument, really, because you can you can learn it by ear. A lot of people do, but it just makes it so much easier and you can play a lot of harder music. Um, and it also helps when you start, it helps you understand the music more if you're wanting to start improvising over things that are getting played. Um, guitar players can get away a little more without learning how to read music just because of the way that a lot of like strumming patterns are written and chords and stuff. But if you're wanting to get into picking patterns, learning to read tab charts will help you out a lot. And we can get into that later. But there are a ton of resources on YouTube and websites such as musictheory.net to help people learn how to read music online. And hey, once this pandemic ends and we can all go back into the music stores without putting our lives in danger, you can probably invest in some blank sheet music so you can write your own. Or you can buy some books of blank sheet music from Amazon or something, or, or you can do it on your computer. There are tons of computer applications that you can download and use to compose sheet music, like Sibelius and MuseScore, just a way to get your musical ideas across. I'm gonna be honest, whenever I get blank sheet music i really tend to just print like blank blank sheet music off of the computer or i would buy spiral bound books of sheet music um but i prefer muse score when i'm composing music but flat.io is another solid option um but yeah i if i'm writing on paper i really just prefer printing them off the internet um, also, there's a lot of really good free sheet music for songs available online um, with all the different instruments. Um, when you're starting out, though, I would really recommend getting what's called a method book that deals with the basics of learning to play the instrument. 
Um, it guides you through the fundamentals of playing. You can get used to reading sheet music, increase your skills as you progress through the book. Songs generally pretty fun too. Um, Guitar Center has a lot of good method books for instruments like piano, guitar, bass, drum set, various other instruments, but for more classical piano or other wind instruments, string instruments, I would really suggest hitting up your local music store. Wait, didn't Guitar Center go bankrupt in November or something? I didn't think so, but I guess on to episode of Things I Learned Today. <laughs> anyway, do, do go and support small and local music stores because chances are they are struggling during the pandemic. And if you're listening when the pandemic's over, go anyways, because it's fun. So we mentioned in the beginning of the podcast that we had an instrument of the day, which is for today, the piano. It's really fun to get to learn a little bit of history about the instrument that you play and maybe a cool fact about someone famous that played it. So let's hear about the piano, Charles. Could do a little cool... <laughs> okay, I, I'll do a transition. At the turn of the 18th century, a musical instrument maker from Italy named Bartolomeo Cristofori invented the piano as we know it today. He was experienced in making harpsichords, which are another instrument in the keyboard family. One thing harpsichords cannot achieve is a dynamic range, since harpsichords are bound to one volume. Cristofori noticed this and invented an instrument that achieves a dynamic range like this. Press a key softer, and you get a quieter note. Press a key harder, and you get a louder note. One predecessor of the modern piano is the pianoforte, and the name of that instrument gave us the names of dynamic ranges. Louder is forte, softer is piano. By the year 1720, the grand piano as we know it had been invented. This is not a comprehensive history, by the way, so if you want to learn more about the history of pianos, I suggest checking out the National Piano Foundation website, and the Metropolitan Museum website has an article about the invention of pianos, too. This is where we did our research for this segment. That's true. It's amazing how much hitting wires versus plucking strings can adapt the dynamic range. I've always found it really super interesting to learn about history. It's amazing how much using wires and hitting them with a hammer instead of plucking strings can affect dynamics. But I've always found it super interesting to learn about the history behind all of the instruments. I do kind of look it up on my own time sometimes, and it was super fun to learn about it in college. Thank you for that awesome explanation, though. You're welcome, Allie. This will be a recurring segment from now on. Now let's talk about some examples of famous piano players, and we can even present some examples of obscure piano players, too. For example, you might know a couple songs from Elton John or Billy Joel. Elton John performs songs such as Tiny Dancer, Rocket Man, and your song. I hope you don't mind, I hope you don't mind that I put down the words. And Billy Joel performs songs such as Piano Man. Sing us a song, you're the piano man. And Stiletto, of which the latter actually contains one of my favorite piano parts ever performed on a rock song. 
Jazz music actually utilizes piano as an integral instrument, with pianists in jazz ranging from Dave Brubeck, who performed Take 5, to Herbie Hancock, who performed Rocket, but one of his more well-known piano songs is Cantaloupe Island. Yeah, I really think that it's interesting in jazz that piano is actually a part of the rhythm section, which has a really diverse cast, and I think it's really interesting. Most composers are usually pianists as well, such as people like Scott Joplin, who is most known for The Entertainer. Frederick Chopin, which is most known for Prelude number four in E minor, which is the Largo movement. Sergei Rachmaninoff, who is pretty well known for his piano concerto number two. And our man Ludwig von Beethoven, who is most known for Furlis. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, most known for the piano piece Ein Klein Nachtmusik. And John Cage, who is a contemporary composer, most known for his prepared piano pieces, which are whack. Look them up. They're so fun. Such as this one, which is Sonata 5 for prepared piano. And the ever-infamous 433, which has just started playing. For people that don't get it, this piece is intentionally lacking notes as to draw attention to the musical significance of silence, which was one of John Cage's big things. He loved silence. It is one of my favorite pieces with and without the ironic twist that college music majors put on it. <laughs> Going into some lesser-known artists, we have Alan Toussaint, who wrote a lot of music for Lee Dorsey, and also was a great R&B pianist in his own right. And Isaac Hayes, who wrote many songs for the Stax label in the 1960s and became one of the greatest soul pianists. For more jazz pianists, Bill Evans worked with Miles Davis on his Kind of Blue album. And 
and McCoy Tyner worked with John Coltrane for most of his 1960s output. And Vince Guaraldi composed music for the Charlie Brown specials. I'm gonna be honest, some of those pianists, I have no idea who they are, and I really should look into listening to some of those. Yeah, I always I always love discovering musicians I've never heard of before, and I always enjoy being inspired by the music they create. With this, I hope you, as the listener, can perhaps apply the music you like to your own musical ventures and maybe find inspiration in it. Musicians can find inspiration in just about anything, though other musicians' work is not unheard of as inspiration. Oh no, it definitely happens more often than people think in music. Um, John Williams, who is one of the most famous film score composers in all time, you have definitely 100%, unless you just like don't watch movies, have heard music from him. Um, he drew from motifs from many composers as he wrote for movies such as Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Harry Potter. Well, I... <laughs> well, as long as you don't steal someone's melody entirely without giving them credit, I think finding inspiration in other people's music is perfectly fine, and people do it all the time. Some people may perform variations on a theme, some people may sample a part of a song directly and make it into a new song entirely, and people cover other people's songs all the time too. I know there's a person on YouTube who takes popular songs like Jingle Bells and The Star-Spangled Banner, and he puts them into minor keys, and they sound really, really cool. There are also a lot of acoustic or instrumental covers of pieces out there of songs you hear on the radio a lot. And I think that about wraps it up for the first ever episode of Music the Universal Language. We really hope you enjoyed listening and can't wait to keep bringing you more content. For the next podcast... We'll be covering instrument brands, instruction, and practice techniques. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed today, want us to go into detail about anything in particular, or you want to suggest a topic for us to discuss, or if for some reason our podcast has inspired you to make music, please send all of that to the following email address, mtulpodcast at gmail.com. That's mtulpodcast at symbol gmail.com. But until next time, goodbye. Bye! And we are done!